Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to another edition of the Man on the Post Extra. Uh, this is Thursday night, and with me I have Mark. Can you say hello, Mark? Yep, hello. And I've got Emma. Hi. Hello. Right. This week we'll be reviewing the Premier League matches and midweek Premier League games. We'll be reviewing those. Uh, we'll be talking about the main talking points of Merseyside Derby, Spurs, Man City, West Ham's 19th century defending. Uh, this weekend's Premier League matches, we'll have a preview of those and talking about our um, mini predictions league and also looking towards some transfer news. Who's come in, who's gone out and who do you think uh, might be needed where? So, first of all, I think the only place to start really sadly for you, Mark, is uh, Anfield on Tuesday night. Well, OK, where do we begin? Um, well, in terms of Everton, I think Martinez got his tactics both right and wrong at the same time, which might sound a bit sort of double dutch but what he was always going to do was try and compress Liverpool play the way Everton have played all season pass the ball around play high up the pitch and play to Everton's strengths but unfortunately that also was playing to Liverpool's strengths of playing from the back and hitting teams fast on the counter attack so actually it was Everton was playing like the home team uh, in terms of tactics and Liverpool were playing like the uh, like the visitors but unfortunately the fact that Everton were playing far too far up the pitch meant that there was yawning gaps behind them between the back four and the and Howard in goal. And when you don't have the pace of Distan uh, coming round on the cover, then you get exactly what happened the other night where Sterling, Coutinho, Sturridge and Suarez were just able to, j- just a quick ball over the top or, or through the gaps and they were in on Howard, you know, swarming around him like flies. But at the same time, you can get away with it if your defence and your midfield aren't giving the ball away sloppily and letting the other team in, which basically is what happened. Everton fell asleep. They, they looked like rabbits in the headlights for that 15, 20-minute period after the first goal. And that's it. The game was over. And that was, I can probably say that's the worst defending I've seen by any team this season, let alone Everton, but certainly the worst team team defensive display I've seen. It's probably the worst defending I've seen since Newcastle got hammered by Liverpool last year, six 0 or whatever it was at St James's Park. So, yeah, I, Everton got everything they deserved. Liverpool got everything they deserved. Did Martinez do anything wrong? You think in those sort of fifteen twenty minutes? Did he was he too um, uh, was he slow to respond or did he do the wrong thing? Uh, you can be the best coach in the world, but if your if your defence has got absolutely zero pace, and even if they dropped another five or ten yards back, I don't think it would have made any difference because we were just giving the ball to the Liverpool attackers when they were right on top of us. I, I can't remember exactly now, but I think at least two of the goals were down to just appalling passing, let alone poor defending and poor positioning. 
So I don't think Martinez could have done anything about um, Barry or Alcaraz, whoever it was, who kept giving the ball away. doesn't matter if you're Martinez or Pep Guardiola or somebody managing, managing a Sunday league team, you know? Yeah. I mean, two the I mean the the Sturridge lob and the the Suarez goal. They were particularly, um, they were really very high, unusually high defensive lines, weren't they? It was terrible. We never play that high, even with Distan in the team. So why we suddenly started it when we've got when we had Jagielka, who's medium paced at best, and Alcaraz, who you know he turns like a ten ton truck. I, I don't know what they were, I don't know what they were playing at. Simple as that. And Rogers probably was rubbing his hands very early on, thinking. Actually, Everton have come to do exactly what we want, and they're doing it to the max. He was probably, you know, kicking his heels in glee after about five or ten minutes, realizing what was coming. Any any Everton players hold them set their head high? Um, Morales probably because he ran around a lot and got stuck in, and and he was the only one who was going to make things happen. But he he does knock me a lot, Morales, because you know he works himself and the team into some cracking positions, but. The fella just does not know the meaning of the word pass. Uh, it wasn't particularly evident against Liverpool, but in games all the way this season, I've you know been ready to chew my own hand off in frustration at, at his greed. But he was about the only one to come out of it with any real uh, credit. Barkley did okay, but obviously he wasn't fit. Um, Osman, who gets a lot of stick from the Everton fans, I thought in the second half, he was one of our best players, but really they were... They all need a good. Uh, I won't even say it. But <laughs> he seems very short fused as Morales, doesn't he? I remember him in the first Merseyside derby. Yeah, I mean, you can say forget the the two games against Liverpool this season. If um, if if things aren't going his way, he's not averse to a little kick out here and there in the same way that you might have seen players like Ronaldo or or Bergkamp have done. Even doesn't matter how good players they are, they're they're all a little bit uh, childish and. You know, short fuse when things don't go their way. Yeah. What about you, Emma? Did you see this? I, I, I've seen the highlights of it. I didn't actually watch it. And I, I completely agree. Martinez came out with all the right tactics, which at the same time were all the wrong tactics. If he didn't go out there to win it, he he would have, you know, that would have been a, you know, it probably, the way the way Liverpool were playing, it probably would have been the same result. And if he'd sat back and was was not putting his team out there, then there would have been all the other, all the other complaints on the flip side that he didn't try hard enough. And at least it was. I mean, I don't know, Mark, if it is the case, but I would have thought at least it's in a way nice to sort of see them at least trying to get something rather than sitting back and giving Liverpool too much respect. Well, well, yeah, exactly, Emma. That's the opposite of. Uh how Moyes used to send them to Anfield every single time we played there, where we basically sat on our own 18-yard uh, line and let Liverpool, you know, come at us and come at us. OK, we used to get the odd draw here and there, but essentially we were always in fear of them. At least we came out the other day and went for it. We, we cocked it up big time. But also, you, you've got to, on the flip side of that, you've got to give Liverpool a lot of credit because not only, of course, did they chop Everton in half as soon as they got anywhere near our goal they were you know they could have scored 10 really and and after the fourth goal and the missed penalty um, they're probably a little bit kicking themselves a little bit for not actually putting six or seven past us which would have been Everton's worst defeat of all time 
forget the the amount of goals that would have been our worst defeat of all time and it was entirely on the cards if if they'd really gone for it but you've got to also credit Liverpool for the way they defended that's the best Liverpool defensive performance I've seen in a long time and okay we were pretty toothless up front and and Lukaku whether he'd stayed on or not that that fella has done nothing for weeks for Everton and even if he stayed on I think Liverpool would have coped, but I thought they were really disciplined. They did really well at the back, and as soon as they came forward, it looked like they could have scored 10. That's what I was saying to you about I was annoyed at Sturridge missing the penalty. I think if he'd got that penalty, I think Liverpool would have got sort of six or seven, as it was. I think when he missed, I think they were never going to get any more than that. Yeah, that that was the point where they, they, they took the foot off the gas a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you've got, to, you've got to credit them, but I think... Everton were just were appalling. They would have they would have lost to anybody um, given that performance. Let alone a team with, you know, who who deserved to be in the top four. Uh, anything about Sturridge's reaction on being substituted? Well, do you know, I uh, I was watching the the game in an in an Irish bar when I was in Germany, and I when he got substituted, I kind of just looked away at that moment, so I didn't really see it. I've had a little look back at it since. That, that's football, footballers for you, really. And Sturridge is known for being a bit of an egotist, like all footballers, pretty self-centred, you know. Um, at some stage, he's going to have a falling out with somebody there, isn't he? Whether it's Rogers or Suarez. That's that's just the nature of the guy, but also in footballers in general. Yeah. I think he was trying something particularly special with that penalty. And when it all went wrong, I think he sort of... The world swallowed him up, and then he tried making amends for it a couple of minutes later when he tried the impossible shot rather than pass to Suarez. And I think Rogers had had enough and brought him off then. Yeah, I think. Well, that's that's the kind of guy he is. You know, he can he can score some cracking goals out of nothing. Um, we've seen it over the last year while he's been at Liverpool. But there'll be times when he's trying to shoot from the changing room, from the car park, from the bench. He'll shoot from anywhere, and it'll end up God knows where. He, he's one of those kind of players, isn't he? It's either brilliant or you just can't look at where he's putting the ball, but yeah, I'm sure they'll forgive him. Do you think that was a case of um, Rogers trying to not protect Suarez? But I've noticed recently in games that you see Suarez getting quite frustrated with Sturridge. And do you think it is maybe a case that he's trying to sort of rein him in to keep keep Suarez happy? I don't think so. I think Suarez demands so much of everybody around him. I don't know if you remember this, Mark, but the Merseyside derby last season at Goodison, um, Sterling was through on goal and he shot rather than try the easy pass to, to Suarez. He had a much easier chance to score. And Suarez laid into Sterling for a good 30 seconds or so. And afterwards, every time Sterling got the ball, the first thing he was doing was looking to pass to Suarez. I think he demands so much of his teammates and everybody around him and think he's bound to fall out with somebody on his team at some point. Absolutely. I, I remember the incident, but it, you've seen that actually quite a few times at Liverpool where, for example, Sterling or Coutinho is in a really difficult angle to try and get a shot off and a simple ball across the box and Suarez is there to tap in. Yeah, as we said before with Sturridge, Suarez is selfish. You know, they want to grab the limelight and score the goals, particularly forwards. That's what they like. But actually, when Suarez does go off on one in these situations, it tends to be that he's got a damn good case, you know. So, like I say, I can see a falling out happening there at some point, but it's whether Suarez is around long enough for it to have any long-term effect. Who knows? 
Is that a bad thing though? Two forwards falling out. I mean, they're both wanting to score, aren't they? Yes, it is a bad thing. Yeah, you've got to have two. If, if you're going to play two forwards, you've got to have a degree of. Okay, sometimes one has to take the lead and one has to do the donkey work, or you've got to have two players who are on a certain wavelength where they've got to have the 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 brain and the uh, the vision to know that look, we're not going to be able to score here. Where's Where's my pal? Where can I put him across? And if that if that festers, then it's only ever going to be about themselves, and that will be to the detriment of the team. It, it can go one or two ways. A situation like that. Moving on from that, and then um, Tuesday night we also had Palace versus Hull. Palace won one nil. Now fourteenth. Uh, are they safe? Do you think? Where are they now? They're fourteenth with twenty three points there, four points ahead of the bottom three. Do you think Pulis is turning the corner? I wouldn't say they're safe by any means, but if they, I mean, if they can keep this form up, then there's no reason that players can't keep them up. But I wouldn't say by any stretch yet that they're safe. Swansea two, Fulham nil was the next one. Uh, I think Swansea's first win for quite some time, wasn't it? I think they're probably quite relieved to have got that. They're up to eleventh now. And I heard before the um, Fulham manager saying that he would do absolutely anything for a clean sheet at the moment which I thought was quite detrimental when uh, Swansea scored. <laughs> well, they've lost the Del Trap this week as well, haven't they, Fulham? He's gone to Milan for the rest uh, of the season. That's, that's no bad thing. Um, Tarab's another one of those players. It's all about Tarab. Uh, has he really done anything for Fulham of any note since he's been there? No, not really. No. I don't think. That, the, Fulham's problem is that they've never been one for scoring a ton of goals. Um but they've often been very tight at the back, especially at home. But that's completely out the window this season. And, you know, without the goals, they're looking doomed. Southampton 2, Arsenal 2. Anybody seen this one? I've seen the highlights. <clears throat> I think uh, this is February's the month where Arsenal normally lose it somehow, isn't it? And they've got... Um... I think that's going to be the same this year. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. They've got a tough run of fixtures coming up, haven't they? And with the injuries and now suspensions in their midfield, I can see them really going off the boil in the next few weeks. Yeah, they've got Liverpool in the Cup, Liverpool in the League, Bayern Munich in the Champions League, and I think they've got um, United and Chelsea or one of the two. It didn't happen a couple of years ago. They got to March either in first or second place and they had a run of games like this and then that was them That was them knackered, wasn't it? They lost like four out of five or something like that and then they ended up coming third or fourth. Yeah. Rumours they're in for um, Julian Draxler, though, from Schalke. So they're looking, possibly looking to bolster. Uh, yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you really what he's like. Everybody's raving about him, saying he's, you know, the next big thing and everything else. I couldn't couldn't say either way, to be honest. Yeah, like you, he's one of these people that when people talk about him on Twitter, I sort of say, oh, yes, he is good, and you sort of nod sagely without sort of hoping anyone realises you don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norwich nil, Newcastle nil. Notable for, I think it's probably the sending off, really, wasn't it? Which I think Norwich have successfully appealed. Uh, I'll have to pass on this one again. I'll be too, too busy on my travels. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. And then we'll round it off with um, Tuesday was the United beating Cardiff 2 0. Not a happy return for Solskjaer. Um, an assist for one matter and a goal for Ashley Young. Have, have United turned the corner with signing matter, do you think? Well, in, in the. The, the race for the top four, United are kind of the, the elephant in the room, aren't they, really? Yeah. They're, 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 
they've been terrible for most of the season or a big part of the season. Um, but Matter, I mean, Matter is pure quality. He is a, a superb footballer. I noticed Van Persie scored. So, again, there's another plus. Um, and there's got to be a point where, forget Moyes for a second, the players are going to be, a bit of the pressure's surely going to have lifted off because they know the championship's gone. And in a way, for the last few weeks, they've been talked about as outsiders for the top four. So maybe you're gonna, we're going to start to see United just going for it in games. They've got nothing to lose at this stage now. And maybe that'll bring them back into the race for fourth. They're seventh at the moment. They're on 40 points. Liverpool are in fourth on 46. So it's not over by any stretch of the imagination. No, and if Liverpool lose to Arsenal this weekend and United beat uh, whoever it is they're playing, there's only three points in it. So, you know, it's all to play for. Yeah. Liverpool away at West Brom this weekend. Stoke away at uh, Stoke at home to Man United. Oh, well, I thought Liverpool were playing Arsenal. That shows you how much I know. I think it's a week on Sunday, isn't it? A week on Monday. Uh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Getting ahead of myself. <laughs> um, Wednesday. Did you see anybody see any of these games? I saw most of Spurs, Man City. Um, did you watch this one, Emma? It was on BT Sport. No, I didn't watch it. Has anybody seen the offside or the um, penalty incident? Yeah, I've seen. I've seen. I've again watched match of the day, so I've seen the highlights of it. Well, first, first of all, we'll deal with the offside then. What did you think to the offside? Yeah, both of them. Well, no, not both of them. Adewale was clearly offside. Yeah. Well, on BT Sport, they said um, Jake Humphrey said. That, for those that don't that don't know, there's a free kick on the corner of the of the penalty area. Cross comes in, Adebayo offside, but not touching the ball. Um, Dawson was onside, kicked the ball in the back of the net. Refer, uh, the referee's assistant blew for offside. Um, Jake Humphrey said on BT Sport as the linesman walked off the pitch, he asked him why he flagged for offside, and he flagged for offside against Dawson, who was onside. Um, so. I think it's probably the right decision because I think Adebayo was interfering with Joe Hart, but he's yeah. just wrong person. It sounds like yeah, the completely the right decision, but the wrong way of getting to it. Because yeah. Adebayo, you can't anyone who was in that group of players is interfering with play. You can't say that they're not because they're there. Um, and so, so yeah, for me, it was it was offside all 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 day long. Yeah, I thought so. What did you think to the penalty? The penalty was, um, I think it was Jekko, wasn't it? It was through on goal into the penalty area. Um, he was brought down by Danny Rose. Uh, Danny Rose did touch the ball, but he came to him sort of from a, a backwards angle, from behind almost, or from backwards to the side. Danny Rose was sent, shown a red card and was, was sent off. The score was only 1-0 at the time, wasn't it? So it undoubtedly changed the game. It's hard. To, I, I think it's. it was... A, I'm not sure, really. I think it was probably deserved but would it have changed I don't think it would have changed the game that much I think the way City were playing they were always going to go on and march through that game the way they have so many other games this season that I don't think Danny Rose being on the pitch would have particularly made a complete difference Do you think the referee gave the penalty or do you think the linesman gave the penalty? Did you see? I'm not sure yeah, I, saw, I when the um, when the incident happened, I looked down towards the referee, and I'm sure I looked, saw him look across. Um, I'm sure I saw him look across to the linesman. I think it was Andre Mariner that was the referee. I'm sure I saw him look across to the linesman uh, who flagged. And I think as soon as the the linesman gave the decision for the penalty, I think the referee had little choice but to send Danny Rose off. Um, 
and it was the same linesman that got the offside decision in the in the first half as well. So he had, he had a, a big evening. But you think Spurs were always likely to lose that one to City? Um, going into it, I, I wouldn't have said that. But once once it started and the way City were playing, I think that's you know they're getting pretty much to the point where they are unplayable. And maybe it wouldn't have been five one. Maybe it, it possibly would have been less or Spurs might have scored another one but at the end of the day I do think that that um, Sissy would have gone through and won that comfortably You think it was all inevitable? Yeah Yeah. Um, Chelsea nil, West Ham nil Now Jose Mourinho said that West Ham were playing 19th century football They had 39 <laughs> shots on goal to West Ham's one Now is that good defending or is that poor finishing? What was that down to? That's got to be poor finishing surely you, you, The team of Chelsea's quality can't score a goal with 39 shots on target, it doesn't matter how good they're defending. Well, they can't have been defending that well if they were having 39 shots on goal. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, and it's no. it's actually pretty uh, it's pretty um, cheeky of Mourinho really to be complaining about parking the bus or playing in uh, 19th century football. Does he does he not realise we all remember the Inter v Barcelona Champions League semi final from a few years ago? You know, it's yes. pretty hip- hypocritical, really, isn't it? Yes, indeed. And I, I loved Allardyce's response as well, saying yeah. that you know he'd he'd seen what happened to United and he wasn't going to let that happen to his team. Like a bit of a two fingers up to Mourinho. Well, exactly. Mourinho deserves it. He brings it on himself. He tries to be everybody's pal, and then he throws a you know he throws a wobbler on the touchline every few games. He just makes himself look ridiculous. And okay, Sam Allardyce is the antithesis of football, the way he played, you know, he had Bolton playing and Newcastle playing and now West Ham. But what does Mourinho expect teams like West Ham to do when they've got tons of injuries? They can't can't win a game, you know, for love nor money. Does he expect them just to to show up, um, shake everybody's hand and say, here you go, Mr Hazard, waltz through and score a hat-trick? Is he mad? This is the accusation that, um, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, Mark, but this is when Van Persie was still at Arsenal. Uh, Everton got a 1-1 draw at the Emirates and Van Persie in his post-match interview was very upset with Everton. He said, people come here to be entertained. Uh, Mark Lawrenson quite rightly pointed out what does he expect teams to do? Sort of, like you say, sort of open their sort of defence and say, come on through and score as many as you want. Does he, re- does he really think they go to Arsenal to be entertained? But the lack of atmosphere there sounds like they go there for a sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Meow. <laughs> well, it, it goes back to the whole thing about footballers just being far too precious, and you know they've got no self-awareness or 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 sense of anything other than themselves, have they? No, no. I mean, I, I think you're right. In West Ham are in the, the position that they are in. I don't really think anybody expected anything other than um, than them to come and defend. A more full Mourinho, if he if he was surprised by the fact and. Um, and he's complaining about a nil-nil at the end of it. Well, if if Allardyce can get a draw at Chelsea, the way the two those two teams have been playing in recent times, then maybe he is good enough for Real Madrid. You know the way yeah. the way he always claimed he was. I always think there's a bit of a myth about Allardyce because if you think about back to his Bolton days. He had, uh, I mean, he was renowned for playing the type of football he did. But he had JJ Kosher, Yuri Jorkayev. I mean, he was he had some flair players playing for him. Yeah, in those sort of the the middle part of the Bolton era, I think you're right. I think they could mix it around a bit, play a few long balls, and and then sort of play the more short short passing game and so on. But 
there were times when you know it, it must have been desperate to be a, somebody who watched Bolton every week. Yeah, <laughs> you'd have to feel for them at some point. I was staying away with a work conference once, and um, everybody that I was working with went off to Spearmint Rhinos, the gentlemen's club. I stayed in and watched Bolton versus Man United. I think there must have been something very much wrong with me. <laughs> there definitely is. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sunderland won Stoke Nil was the next game. Sunderland now at the bottom three for the first time since August. Is Gus the man to keep them up? Looks that way. It does, doesn't it? We've maybe have underrated. We've probably looked a little bit too much at his uh, psychoticness, but not as much at his tactical nails. Well, he can't be any more psychotic than Paolo Di Canio, can he? <laughs> no. Banning tomato ketchup and whatever else he banned. He's a, he's officially a loon, isn't he, that guy? Yeah, he's a little bit odd, isn't he? I can see why they're all against him. Mm. But yeah, as soon as he came in, you could see they were changing the way they were playing and they've gradually improved little by little as they've gone along. And he must be doing something right if he's getting Adam Johnson to be playing well. So, Well, yeah. I mean, Martin O'Neill didn't get that team playing particularly well. Um, yeah. Paolo Di Canio struggled. So the fact that Gus Poyer's got them where they are is fairly testament to his abilities. I think if they finish fourth or bottom at the end of the season, they'll be happy. But if anything happens to Johnson... Do you reckon they'll just plummet back down into the bottom three? They could do, couldn't they? Mm, who else have they got to play in that kind of that role? They don't really have any other kind of. Jacarini. Yeah, he's a, he's all he's a decent player from what I've seen. Maybe a bit lightweight, but he's all right. And they signed uh, Scocco today, haven't they? He's a striker. Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> they signed him from. Yeah, I he's saw from Argentina, that. I think. I don't know who he is, but. Um, Stephen Fletcher's not really has he been scoring as, as many before he doesn't seem to be as prominent does he no uh, uh, he's been in and out hasn't he with injuries yeah. most of the season I think and maybe that's affected him but um, I think he's a bit of a streaky goal scorer he gets him in batches rather than you know a, a regular consistent one in two he's a bit like Jelovic isn't he I wonder how many goals Stephen Fletcher scores with just one touch yeah that's true yeah from five yards out getting a, a half volley or a header yeah, exactly. Um, last game of the week was probably the best one, actually. It was Villa 4, West Brom 3. West Brom were 2-0 up in that one. Um, new West Brom manager called it incredible. I don't think I'd be too happy hearing my manager say that if I was a West Brom fan. But, um, but yeah, that was a rather entertaining game. West Brom kind of in free fall? I wouldn't say that they're in free fall. I, I, think, they, I think they have a, enough quality to safe this season but I can't really I don't I personally can't put my finger on what happened did Aston Villa just come out really slowly or and then up it or did West Brom sort of after what 10 minutes and being tuning up think ah it's all right boys we've got this one let's just sit back well you think they would have learned this was on Sky earlier on the season the reverse fixture West Brom were tuning up in this and ended up drawing 2-2 so you thought they would have um, learned at some point you would have hoped if you were a West Brom fan. Well, they're six off the bottom at the moment. They're three points off the bottom three. So they've got some kind of cushion, but they really need to be pushing up at some point, don't they? Definitely. Yeah, and a Chaby, is he? he's not really worked out for them, is he? Well, if you pay £6 million for Victor and a Chaby, then you kind of deserve everything you get. <laughs> they should have known. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it, 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 he he is the you know the the perfect example of someone whose record really does speak for itself. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a point where he stopped being a promising up and coming player to someone that really should be sticking them in, shouldn't he? Yeah, he's he's a he's one of those that again he had quite a few injuries as he was coming through, which didn't help. But um, when you had the likes, when Everton had the likes of HB and Vaughan uh, and a few others. Um, Personally, and I think quite a lot of Evertonians felt that they had a lot of talent and should have been given their head a lot sooner and Moyes held them back uh, a bit too much. And I think that combined with injuries, um, you know, really did for did for Nietzsche be. Whether he would have been any good anyway, who knows? But I think he would have been better than he's turned out. The ghost of Danny Kadamashi looms large. <laughs> Always. <laughs> um, right, tomorrow is the end of the transfer window. We've seen, obviously, one matter move. Uh, earlier on this week, Johan Kabaya has gone to PSG. Um, at El Terrap, that we, we mentioned earlier on, has gone on loan from QPR to Milan. Michael Essien has left uh, to join Milan as well. Luke Young has joined Newcastle. And Cardiff have signed Peter Odenwingi. Uh, oh, no, he's gone, hasn't he? Sorry, he, he did a, he's left, hasn't he? Sorry. Yeah, he's gone to he's, Stoke. He's gone to Stoke, and Kenwin Jones has come the other way. And uh, they signed Fabio as well, haven't they? Um. Going back to, do you think Newcastle missed Johan by quite a lot? Or will Luke de Jong be the, the man to replace him? Um, I think I've seen Luke de Jong a couple of times. He's a striker, isn't he? Yeah, I think he is, isn't he? That's probably what they need, because Cissé's not been putting them in, has he? No, no, he's... Uh, well, I would be surprised if Cissé might, you know, doesn't leave. Um, mm. in the, certainly in the summer, but maybe in the, this transfer window. But yeah, Newcastle will miss Kabai because he's... Uh, He's the be- by far the best player on their team. Well, word was that um, Thiago Silva and Ibrahimovic didn't want Johan to come to come because they didn't think he was good enough. They sort of made the case against him. But PSG obviously didn't listen. Well, I don't. I don't know who plays central midfield for for PSG. I imagine they've got some pretty special players, but maybe they just they need the. The big name French, one or two big name French players in that team. Yeah, maybe they do. We give more a bit more of a, a Gallic feel again. He's a, he's a good player, but you know he's not going to make PSG. In, I don't think he's not going to make PSG that much better. No, I don't think so. Do you think he might be risking his um, World Cup place by joining PSG? No, I think he's a, he's a he's first choice for France, isn't he, in that position? Is he? Okay. I think I think so. Or he, he was he was over the last couple of years. I, I would assume that that hasn't changed. Um, I can't think of many other top cent- central midfield French players. Pogba maybe, but maybe slightly different type of player. Yeah. Well, Clement Grenier has been linked with Newcastle, the the Lyon player. Uh, so maybe they're looking forward to sort of filling the gap with that. Um, Kenwin Jones to Cardiff struck me as a very odd one because he's. Not renowned as scoring, is he? Do you think it might be worth them taking a punt on someone like Jordan Rhodes on the championship? Was that just a plain swap, or was there any money involved from either side? I think it said swap on the BBC website. I don't know who's got the better half of that swap, though. Probably Stoke, but it's just that's a strange, it's a strange deal because you wouldn't want either of them, would you? In this, certainly in the position that Cardiff are in, and Kevin Jones has done. Zero for a couple of years. Odin Wingy can, you know, he can blow very hot or extremely cold. 
just a very odd odd deal that really odd yeah I mean maybe it signals a, a move from Stoke to play more football that the the way they want to under Rem Hughes as they did under Pulis and maybe Kenwin Jones doesn't fit into that but yeah like you say it's a, it's a bit of an odd one neither of them renowned for for, for Rams or scoring many are they Mm. I mean, you mentioned Jordan Rhodes. I'm sure he's going to get linked with everybody, some t- you know, at some point tomorrow. But um, mm. Blackburn are going to going to want way more than than the lad's worth. But he, I mean, he is a goal scorer. But you know, he's done it all in the lower leagues. They're going to obviously going to want more than ten million. And even someone like Cardiff or or Palace or someone you know battling for their lives, are they going to risk shelling out that much money on somebody with no Premier League experience? Well, no, that's very true. I mean, it's, it's, some teams have in the past. I think um, Jonathan Stead was bought in January, wasn't he? He helped, I think it was Blackburn, wasn't it, stay up that particular season. Mm. So, it's possible. Uh, yeah, you, you, you wouldn't be surprised if there are three or four clubs trying to get, get Rhodes tomorrow. And if he's got any sense as well, he he's probably time he moved on from Blackburn. Oh, he's not going to go up with them, is he? He's not going to go anywhere with them. No, no. Uh, Tom Ince has been linked with Palace. This is a bit of an odd one, considering he was linked with uh, he was linked with Liverpool, wasn't he, last summer? Going back to Liverpool, he was also linked with Monaco, and now he's off to Palace. It it would be faster to name the teams that Tom Ince has never been linked with. <laughs> so you know, it's uh, I think I I might have put it on Twitter last week at some point, but it's weird the amount of clubs that he's been linked with over the last two years. Uh, and nothing's ever come of it. And you know, I've seen I've seen him play, let's say, four or five times. And he's a decent championship player. Could probably do quite a good job for someone in a mid-table team in the Premier League. But are Blackpool asking too much? Are Ince, is Ince asking for too much wages? Is his dad getting involved? Does the lad think he's better than he is? What? Because you would imagine if he's that good, he would be back. He would have been back in the Premier League. A year to 18 months ago. Yeah, something's stopped him moving. See, his wage demands or Blackpool's asking prices stopped him moving so far, hasn't it? I don't think it's Blackpool because I think Blackpool would take a reasonable fee for him. I think it's something more to do with either his personality or, or the people around him that's that's stopped any move up till now. Yeah. yeah, I get the impression that it's him. That I've I've always had the impression that, yeah, like you said, maybe he thinks he's better than he is or he deserves something bigger than he's going to get. Mm. Realistically, and, yeah. and I mean, if Palace manage, manage to stay up this season, I think it would be quite a good fit for him, really. And then it's, if he proves himself in the Premier League, he can kick on from there. But at the moment, again, he's not proven. So it's all—it's also weird the diversity or the range and the abilities of the clubs or the teams that he's been linked with. You know, you've got Palace now as the team. It was Swansea last week. It's been Liverpool on several occasions. Obviously, he was there when he was a uh, a kid. Monaco have been involved, you know, so you're getting teams from bottom end of the Premier League right the way up to one of the richest clubs in Europe allegedly interested in him. You wouldn't, you know, how weird is that? You wouldn't have the, you wouldn't have Monaco looking at Kenwin Jones the same way that Cardiff are looking at Kenwin Jones. Okay, but Ince is probably a better player, but it is such a big range of teams that have been looking at Ince. It's, it's a totally odd situation, I think. From Radamel Falcao to Jason Punchin. <laughs> Wilfred Zaha's gone alone, hasn't he? He's gone to Cardiff. Is this a chance for him to reignite his career? Yeah, I think it's a really good move for him. 
I don't feel he's been given a, as a chance by Moyes at um, United. I think Moyes has been worried about taking a risk on him in case it, it doesn't work out with the trouble that he's already in at United. Mm, and there's there's one or two rumours, but I, I prefer not to spread them around on this podcast about Wilfred Zaha and David Moyes' relationship. Oh, really? Don't you read Twitter? I did, but I've not read that. Uh, okay, well, I'll I'll leave you and the those listeners who would like to search out more uh, to to find out what the rumours are. I've got no idea whether they're true or not, but yeah, I'll leave that up to to you to to delve more into. David Moyes doesn't seem Wilfred Zaha's type. <laughs> it's not that salacious. It's not that bad, but you know you're going towards the right direction. Right. But anyway, as I said, for for Phil, any uh, Phil legal Neville? reasons, I would say. Yeah? Phil Neville? They'll probably try and get him out of retirement. But... <laughs> uh, anyone do you think um, needs to uh, boost their squad or bolster their squad by the end of tomorrow? Anybody you think really sort of um, is missing a particular peg in a particular hole, do you think? I was thinking Manchester United defence, maybe, but I'm not sure they're looking to do any more business, maybe. Yeah, good call there. Their defence has been woeful. And um, Smalling and Jones don't seem that they can play together. Vidic is way past his best. Ferdinand, we know, is past his best. Um, you couldn't trust trust Raphael to not get sent off um, or commit some kind of heinous error that leads mm. to goals. So, yeah, United defence, um, Everton midfield and forward, I think, desperately need, they desperately need uh, reinforcements in those positions. Yeah. Um, one from the lower leagues, I think this is quite a, a sad one, actually. Leon Clark, Coventry to Wolves. Leon Clark has been probably the the, the one positive for Coventry in this season of theirs that they're having. Uh, they're not playing their games in Coventry, they're playing their games in Northampton, they're um, they're homeless, they're struggling for finances, there might not be a Coventry next season and he's probably the, the one uh, bright spark of their season that's got them to, to where they are and yet here they are being forced to sell him to their League One rivals for three quarters of a million pounds. I do feel, my brother-in-law is a Coventry fan, I do feel quite sorry for them. It's the Coventry story as uh, it's befallen quite a few teams, hasn't it? Who, yeah. who've tried to, who, who've dropped out of the Premier League and then gone all out to try and get back in to the the so-called promised land, and it's gone horrifically wrong. It, you know, but football clubs don't, and chairman don't seem to learn their lesson, and it's been one thing after another at Coventry for the past decade with different um, owners and finance deals and one thing and another. It's just, uh, yeah, horrendous. Yeah. One more, David and Gog, Bolton to Swansea. That was one I didn't see coming. Maybe one David and Gog didn't see coming either. Yeah, that's just that's a strange one, but it seems that this transfer window is shaping up to be creating a few moves that we can't really understand. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll ask you both then. You're both the uh, manager of your respective clubs. So manager of Everton for Mark, manager of Portsmouth for you, Emma. Uh, what one positional player would you like to see by the end of tomorrow? What you first, Emma? A central defender, I think. Anybody in mind? Not really. I mean, I can't. I can't see Portsmouth doing any business. To be fair, um, I think if there was going to be anything done, it would have been done by now. But um, 
you know, they've given um, they're giving points away here, there, and everywhere at the moment. They Morecambe came back from beat uh, popular ahead twice, and Morecambe came back. Obviously, they beat Wickham, which they needed to because Wickham below them. But I think I'm, I'm a great believer if 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 you're near the you know the bottom of the table, it, it doesn't. It, obviously, it still matters about scoring goals, but the main thing is to not open the floodgates every single week because that's never it's just going to drain it's going to drain the fans it drains players um so i think that for portsmouth they need to tighten the back up and then work upwards from there okay what about you mark who would you like if you were roberto martinez well i think um okay lukaku's out for a few weeks and this other guy traore we've got on loan got a bit of a hamstring problem so you'd imagine that I, w- I would go for a forward but uh, I think we may actually need somebody in central midfield because McCarthy and Barry it was obvious in the Liverpool game but it was getting obvious in the West Brom game the week before uh, and now Oviedo of course is out is I think we're a bit short on their leg their legs seem to be gone they're out on their feet so I think we need a, a decent central midfield player if there is one available anybody in mind uh, Tom Ince no joke um, maybe there's somebody in Spain or something like that that Martinez has got his eye on but for it to be a decent player at this stage of the season you can't see a, a decent player from a decent team in the Premier League move into another team in a similar sort of position so it's probably going to be somebody from abroad and it might probably be somebody I've never heard of yeah. Do you know how well known is he in Spain do you know is he a household name over there or is he someone they keep their eye on who's that Martinez yeah um well, I'm sure he's become known for winning the FA Cup and then moving on to a bigger club. But as a player, he was, you know, he was bombed out, wasn't he, by Valencia or someone as when he was fairly young and he was only young, uh, you know, sort of mid to mid to late twenties. Uh, sorry, early to mid twenties, I think, when he came to England. So he was never a big name player. And whether he's registered on the managerial side, I don't know. It, it, I suppose it depends on the amount of coverage. And how much notice the Spaniards take in the Premier League? Yeah, I remember watching him live for um, Wigan versus Fulham in nineteen ninety five, and then three Spaniards in that Wigan team. That's right, three I've, amigos weren't they called? Yeah, um, Diaz, Martinez, and somebody else, wasn't it? I've never been so cold in all my life at Springfield Park in Wigan. Wigan, eh? Yeah, God. <laughs> <laughs> I just spent a year living in St Helens. I think I did something wrong in a previous life. <laughs> That's all right. Karma will, karma will come back, and you'll you'll get something nice to you in your in your next life. Yeah, I've been Balmoral my next life or something. Yeah. Um, predictions for this weekend then. We're doing our little mini league of predictions. Uh, the first week, myself and you, Mark, we got six right. Emma, you got four. Uh, this week was exactly the same. Emma, you got four. Me and Mark, we got six again. So we're all consistently consistent. <laughs> So we'll start with the early kickoffs on Saturday. It's the um, Tyneweir Derby on Saturday. Newcastle Sunderland. Any predictions on that one? Um, I'm going to say a draw. You're going to say draw, Emma? I can see Newcastle sneaking it. Can you? Yes. I'm going to go with Sunderland because I can see them sneaking it. I think they're on a little bit of a roll at the moment. Um, West Ham versus Swansea. Uh, I'll go for a draw for that one. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of got draw written on that one, hasn't it? It has. 
wasn't it? Unfortunately. Uh, Cardiff and Norwich, Mark? Draw again, I think. I think both teams are going to be um, scrapping it out come the end of the season to stay up. So I think they'll both take a point. You're not one for the pools. You are one for the pools, aren't you? You're doing your draws all the way down, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> if only I was eight score draws, I'd be on the yacht tomorrow. <laughs> Emma? Yeah, I agree. I think that'll be a draw. It'll be a draw. Okay, well, I'll, I'll be different. I'll go for I'll go for a Cardiff win. I'll back Holly. Uh, Everton Villa. Um, I'll go for Everton. Go for Everton. Mark, what do you think after Tuesday? Uh, I'm going to go for Villa. Are you? What is it? Goodison as well? Yeah, Villa, not not so much in recent years, but under Martin O'Neill, uh, Villa had a cracking record against Everton. Um, they played well against Arsenal, they played well against Liverpool, they won the other night, and as I said before, Everton just look out on their feet now. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Villa won, let's say, 2 1, something like that. Oh, wouldn't right. be shocked. Wouldn't be shocked. Well, you convinced me. I'm going to go for Villa as well then. <laughs> I know Everton too well, you know, this is kind of, this is what we always do. Oh, Mark, don't, don't be like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when we do this in August, are you going to sound a whole lot jollier? Depends where I go for my summer holidays. <laughs> Fulham, Southampton, next one. Uh, I can't see Saints losing that, so I'll go for Saints. Yeah, for good yeah. teeth. Mm-hmm. I've also uh, actually just seen on... BBC that they're in talks with Juventus about uh, sending Osvaldo out on loan. Oh, are they? Because he had his bust up, didn't he? His training ground bust up with yeah. um, Fonte. I can't remember his first name, but Fonte, wasn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. he headbutted him. It involved a brick as well, apparently. <laughs> Where are they training on an old bomb site? <laughs> I was going to say, it doesn't sound like a state of an art training pitch, does it? No. It sounds like Avila's own pet, doesn't it? <laughs> Quality. Yeah, yeah. That's a throwback. Um, he's got a bit of a reputation, hasn't he, for being a bit um, bonkers? He has, and I, I cannot see Saints making any money on him because I think he's he's making himself a bit untouchable. Mm. People just won't want to touch him with a barge pole. I'm kind of disappointed in him because I was hoping he would be he would show the talent he's got, but also showing the, the sort of craziness he also has as well. But I, I was hoping he'd show it in a good way, but... As amusing as this was to read about, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't like to see him leave. I don't think I quite like him. In the end, there is never a good kind of crazy. <laughs> Are you sure, Duncan Ferguson? No, he's not crazy, he's just Scottish. Apolo- <laughs> Apologies to everybody in Scotland who's listened to this. My wife's Scottish, so I kind of feel like I'm allowed to do that. Well, I've offended everybody in St Helens, so that's perfectly fine. <laughs> Emma, is there anybody you'd like to offend? No, I'm good at the moment. Yeah, well, let no. <laughs> uh, well, I'll go for a Southampton win as well. I can't see Fulham beating anybody at the moment. Um, Hull Tottenham, next one. Hull beat Liverpool at, uh, at at their ground earlier on this season. Does anybody see something similar? Yeah, I, I fancy Hull. Yeah? Yeah, I think they're a, they've actually been a decent team this season. Well, I've seen them anyway. Um, and, you know, they've given other top six sides a good run for their money, especially at home. So I'm going to go with Hull. Okay, Emma? Uh, I'm going to go for a draw. You're going to go for a draw, are you? And I'm going to go for Spurs. Stoke, Man United. This is the last of the Saturday kickoffs. Anybody fancy Stoke in this one? No. 
United tend to do quite well at Stoke, don't they? It's always seen as a hard place to go for them, but they tend to do okay. And doesn't always doesn't Hernandez always score there as well? Or am I just imagining that? I don't know. I'll bow to your better wisdom on that one. Yeah, I've got a feeling I've seen him score there a few times, so I fancy Man United will probably win. Yeah, yeah, I agree, Man United. I will. T- Isn't this funny how United are having the season they're having, but we're all tending to to back them still in the predictions. <laughs> got to be right sometime. Yeah. Uh, Sunday, West Brom, Liverpool. I'm going to go for a draw. Pessimists. I know. But that means if they win, I'll be, you know, I'll be even more happy. I, w- I won't, If they draw or lose, I won't be disappointed because I've kind of expected it. Mm. I, I, th- I think Liverpool will win fairly comfortably. I agree. What, with me or Mark? No, Liverpool win. Liverpool win. Okie dokie. Right. Arsenal Palace. Anybody see Palace in this one? Nope. That was a long <laughs> silence by everybody, that was. I'll take no. it. That's three Arsenals, I take it. Yeah. All right. Monday night, Manchester City versus Chelsea. Now, I've not seen the prognosis for Sergio Aguero, but he didn't look too healthy when he walked off the pitch last night, as he. No, he didn't. He looked like he did his hamstring, didn't he? Yeah, he did not look happy, did he? No. Would that make a big difference? They did okay without him, didn't they? It'll make a difference. I don't think it'll be a big difference. They've got Negredo, Jovetovic is, um, is back, isn't he? And uh, Dzeko's been scoring as well. Anyone see Chelsea winning this one? Uh, I th- Obviously, Man City are you know, such an attacking force. What I can see is Chelsea coming to Eti- the Etihad and parking the bus a bit, you know, a bit of 19th century football, try and ground <laughs> out a nil-nil. I wouldn't expect that. I wouldn't expect anything else from Jose Mourinho. <laughs> Do you think a draw then? No, I think I think Man City will win, but I think it'll be close. Oh right, okay. Emma. Yeah, I can see Man City winning, but not in in the same fashion that they have done against other teams at the Etihad so far this season. You think this would be more a, a, a Crystal Palace victory than a Norwich victory? We this is a sort of a ground out one. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go for Man City as well, I think. I, I was going to have a little shout-out for, um, I think myself and you, Emma, we're fairly unique in the fact that we support two teams, don't we? Your Bristol Rovers is your other team. Uh, I'm, as well as being a Liverpool fan, I'm a QPR fan, so most Saturdays I don't want to get up. But it's QPR versus Burnley on Saturday, second versus third. Uh, I really hope that... We can do this. We're already th- we're three points ahead of Burnley. I think it's about seven points behind Leicester, who are top of the league. I think they're gone and into the distance and out of the way. I think this will go a big part to um, to deciding who will go up automatically. The six-point gap will be very good. Burnley's squad isn't as big as the QPR squad. With everything that happened last season with QPR being the train wreck that it was, I think they're in a much better position to, to come up this year. Has anybody seen much of QPR and how they might get on if they get promoted or even Leicester or, or, or anybody else well the the times I've seen um, the championship football or the results Leicester Leicester yeah they seem I don't think they're any great quality but they seem a little bit ahead of everybody else and um, whenever I see Burnley's results they never seem to win they obviously are winning because they're third in the table and I was looking at the table the other day and it's such a how on earth the QPR second having scored like 
so few goals. You know, obviously they've got they're tight at the back, but they must just be nicking games one nil here and there. Yeah, yeah. Charlie, uh, Charlie Austin is. He was. I was, I was kind of thinking about him when we were talking about Jordan Rhodes earlier on, but I can't see QPR being willing to sell uh, Charlie Austin at this stage of the season. Well, you never know with Harry Redknapp. Do he? He likes a deal. He does. I'm a bit disappointed. Terrap's gone on loan. To be honest, I would quite like if he was going to leave Fulham. I'd quite like him to have stayed. I do like. He's a, he's a guilty pleasure of mine. Well, he, he's good in that division. You know, he was the star, wasn't he, when they came up the last time. Yeah, but I think his his ego wouldn't let him drop down a drop back down to the championship at this stage, would he? No, I don't think so. I would also quite happily took Caragunis as well. I'd have driven Caragunis from not very far, but I'd have driven Caragunis from Fulham to Loftus Road. I do like him. He's that old. He needs driving from one end of the field to the other. <laughs> It'd be worth it, very much so. Uh, right, I think that brings us to the end of uh, of this week's episode. Unless anybody anybody got anything they'd like to add. No. No. No, you're all happy. Okay. Um, Emma, if anybody would like to follow you, would it, uh, how do they follow you on Twitter? What's your handle? At MWebs. And you, Mark, how do they really like to follow you, should they wish to? Um, if anybody's that sad, my Twitter is at TheFootballPink. Okay. I'm not sure we've done this before, but could you tell us a bit more about The Football Pink? What's, that, what's the concept of it? Well, I mean, Emma's almost certainly not old enough and a lot of people who listen to this podcast might not be either but back in the day certainly in the 80s when I was a kid and going back further on a Saturday night once you came out of a game and you were getting your bus or your train home or whatever the whatever the local paper was in your area would do a a, a pink paper with all of the scores in generally the scores were were phoned in five minutes before the game was over but it was kind of a Saturday night ritual. This is obviously in the way in before the days of final score and Sky Sports Soccer Saturday. And you'd pick up the football pink or the pink or the pinken or whatever they were called in different cities, you know. And that would give you a bit of a roundup of the sport and the football that had happened um, in the afternoon while you'd been at the match, whichever match you were going to see. So that the site basically is a revival, for me anyway, of... of uh, of those sorts of days and if it, on the website there's quite a lot of nostalgic pieces and articles and so on and a few trips down memory lane what have you and also we, uh, we do a quarterly magazine which so far has been uh, to download to Kindle which has been quite successful uh, and the next issue which is due out in the next couple of weeks shameless plug shameless plug <laughs> um, we're hoping to do our first print issue. Oh, are you? Yeah, yeah. Pretty much in the same theme of, of uh, you know, the old style football pink in its design and so on with with articles similar to what you see on the website. So if I was to get a um, a copy of the football pink hard copy, how would I go about doing that? Do I go to Smith's or do I go to, uh, to somewhere else? Uh, well, we're not quite such a big operation as to be able to sell in the shops just yet, but... Um, no, the you'll be able to buy it directly through the website, um, which is footballpink.net. But that'll be in the next couple of weeks or so. It'll be available to buy from there. And also the downloadable version will still be uh, available on Amazon. Okay. And is, is it the footballpink.net, is it? Footballpink.net. The footballpink.net. For no, 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 the. Oh, sorry. No, just, the. Sorry. Yeah, I couldn't afford the at the start. So it's just footballpink.net. 
footballpaint.net. Excellent. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, that wraps up um, this week's episode. I'd like to say thank you very much to Mark and thank you very much to Emma. Uh, we'll see how our predictions get on at the weekend, whether Emma catches up after um, after her predictions. And we shall see you this time next week. And thank you for listening and downloading. Um, one tiny piece of housekeeping. If you go to iTunes and download, you always remember to... Uh, give us a five-star review if you like what you hear. And Colin from the Sunday Show, I'm sure, will send you a, a Man on the Post fridge magnet. And always remember to keep your Man on the Post. Thank you. Is it telly darts? I don't know what sort of darts. <laughs> topless darts. Top- <laughs> Do you remember the topless darts on the TV? On live TV? Italian housewives as well. Was that they all play- the same thing? They weren't playing darts though. This was this was this was Astra TV, wasn't it? This was before Sky. Uh Topless Darts was on live TV. Was it? I don't remember that. Yeah, it was. I, I take I, it this was ladies, was it? Well it certainly wasn't Jockey Wilson. <laughs> well, having said that, a few of them might have looked a little bit like Jockey Wilson. I know that's a bit sexist, but oh, imagine. Is this, anyway. on a, is this on the telly? Is it Emma? Uh, I don't think it's. Are you I watching or playing? No, 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 I'm watching. Oh right. At the um at the Bournemouth International Centre, I think it's like the sort of league that they do. I don't know if it gets. It might get coverage on uh, Sky, but I don't think it's on BBC. Are you going to get dressed as a Smurf and sort of throw pints in the air? <laughs> um, I'm not sure if I'm getting dressed up yet. I haven't decided. Is it Phil Taylor and all those kind of people? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, there's one of them. He's 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 something like he's one of the top twenty or one of the top thirty. He's a lad who who lives not or used to live not far from me. I went to school with his sister, and uh, you know he's a lad I know pretty well. What's you his know, name? Paul Nicholson. No, I, I remember Paul Nicholson, the actor. No, that's Jack oh, Nicholson, isn't it? No, just good friends. Remember that? That's Paul Nicholas. Oh, is it? Oh, well, there yeah. you go. I got that wrong. <laughs> got dementia I coming on. I know. I know, 36. I don't know him. Do you know him, Emma? No. His nickname is The Asset. You're just whatever, going for the... Whatever that means. You're just going for the beer, aren't you? Yeah. I'm going for a night out in Bournemouth. <laughs> Is that a good thing, a night out in Bournemouth? It's not too bad. No, I do quite like darts, but I haven't really. It was more a case of a group of friends um, all got tickets and then um, one of them dropped out and they sort of turned around and were like, do you want to come? Do you want to come? And I was a bit like, well, I've got nothing else to do. May as well. The people who go seem to love it. Like when you ever see the crowd at the darts, they're all going mad. Yeah, that's, yeah, it does look like a good atmosphere, so. Yeah.